Record, record. Here we go. I am recording. I see levels. Last time of the year. Yeah. I keep forgetting that I've got my mic on channel three because I had a guitar plugged into channel one. What if... One of the she came to me tacular is we only play the calls and don't give our thoughts. We're like, you did the episode this time. And then we're like, but you didn't give us enough for a long one. <laughs> and then the episode is just It doesn't over. have to be long. It would be a good. Well, this, it would be a decent bit if the she came to me tacular was one of our. It was one of our shortest episodes, episodes ever. Yeah. Like twenty two minutes long or whatever. Yeah, a family guy length. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I haven't been sitting normally in a while. I've had to hit the microphone. Finally, a real clap. Um, all right. If you <laughs> had the option of walking into Subway and paying $1 and getting a one-inch-long sandwich, would you ever <laughs> do it? I don't eat at Subway anymore. No, I don't either. Ever. The question one becomes... Inch? Yeah, would it make you more likely that, you know, it would be like a novel thing, you get like a little tiny right. snack Are you only allowed $1. to get one of them? You Could you get like an assortment, like three different yeah, one-inch? Give... That's interesting. Well, it's a $5 foot long. I mean, I, I that's... <laughs> it's not that, anymore. Well, I would okay. say it's, that this is, yeah. Uh, I would say it's pretty uncommon to have a menu item that you can only get one of. <laughs> can, sure. This is going to be very... A very like uh, uh uh splitting the hairs clarification question: Is it a measured one inch of sub, or is it a twelfth of a subway sandwich? <laughs> it's they cut all of the they pre-cut some of their loaves right. into twelve. Oh, so it's like they have to make a one inch sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're going. I can't buy yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's like regular. It's like regular Subway, but they only sugar. have an inch. And they're like, "Do you want an onion sliver? Do you want?" Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would. The olive I would, oil. Could I pick which section, or would I be like, "Can I get a one inch sub?" And they'd be like, "Oh, okay." And they just grab the first one. Right. I mean, you you're welcome to ask a Subway employee for a specific <laughs> part of the loaf. Do you think anyone's ever been like, wait, can I get a different loaf of bread? This one doesn't look like I want it. <laughs> Probably. Well, someone, Probably I'm, yeah, sure I'm sure it's happened. Yeah. It's it the most prolific have. fast food restaurant in the world or whatever. Like, I'm sure. You think that's true over McDonald's? I believe. Yeah, yeah there's more subways. Subway I guess that's true. Yeah, that's true. It's easier. It's... it's easier to set up because you don't. Is that a Yum like... brand or is that a independent sort of? No, it's not a Yum brand, brand for sure. John Oliver did a whole thing about Subway. That yeah, I'm Subway franchises are like a huge thing. <laughs> One of yeah. the Subways People... nearest me just closed. Not wow. not successful. It's being replaced by a a, a a what is it? It's like a both a Smash Burger and a hot chicken place. I believe Whoa. called Nash and Smash. Uh, they, <laughs> there is one of them that That's exists, but they not do not have any online. or just N A Ash, like Nashville. That was I was because I. 
back when I was in high school, we used to go to Subway all the time. And sure. it wasn't until I moved Classic from high one high activity. school in Alabama to a high school in Alaska that people in Alaska, they'd be like, oh, I hate going to Subway because it <laughs> smells in there. And right. I would always be like, well, mm -hmm. it smells like a Subway, which is good because <laughs> I like the Subway. Right. And then on another Subway anecdote, but I used to get Subway at my old job in Germany. And then they're like, oh, we don't make the Subway Club anymore. I'm like, what? you have everything. Yeah, make it. Huh? <laughs> it's not like they stopped giving you ham and turkey. <laughs> make the sandwich. And I was like, and it was such an odd experience that I was that like. That is very strange. They're like, we don't do the Subway Club. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, yeah, we just, we, we, we took it off the menu. And I was like, well, what's the closest thing I can get to the Subway Club then? I was like, just let me add the shit that I want. What was their answer? They were just like, I, I, I don't know, they were just like cold cut combo or something like that. I was like, oh, okay. I that guess sounds that like the same. It was because there's no roast beef. Then you there's just no roast them. beef, sure. Oh, sure. That you want roast. Probably, that's kind of, that is. Probably the, was what was That's expensive. what you want. Yeah. Although, is it true? I have heard. That but all the, the meat subway is meats are made of other meats. Yes, that's, that's right. the thing that people true? say. I mean, listen, I don't know anything. Welcome to about... Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Catherine Weber, and I'm joined by Andy Germuga, Cullen Edgley, Dufton Haverford, oh, <laughs> Emilio Diaz. Welcome to the She Came to Me Tacular. Yeah. We've been so That's excited right. for the last few months. Uh, we saw that trailer on our yes, yeah. the start when I one of us watched. She came to me uh, months ago. The rest of us, not so much. I think it did. Do you had had you seen the movie before we watched the trailer, Jesse? No, you hadn't. No, so. no, no, no. That, I, I yeah, no. It. I saw the trailer and was like, "Whoa, this looks really good." And then right. it and then played the in theaters. The theater. Right. Yeah. We all saw the trailer together, and we were all like, "Well, I'm seeing that." Like, yeah. <laughs> and then it played in uh, like five theaters, but I've got mm -hmm. a nice twenty screen multiplex right down the street. Uh, um, do we have anything we want to get into me. before we get into Shakim Timmy? Yeah, I got a little bit of news. We uh, we're gearing up for winter festivals. We we talked about Sundance a couple weeks ago. We 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 got a little bit of Berlin news. We'll have more of that when we come back in the new year. But of course, in between those two festivals, we've got the International Film Festival of Rotterdam. Uh. Will we have coverage of Rotterdam this year? Probably not, but there's some fun stuff playing there. Uh, they they function, you know, they've got the, the main competition like every other festival, and then they've got a bajillion other sections, some of which are really enormous. Uh, the uh, the tiger is their award. They got a golden tiger, uh, and that that I guess that they they like pretty explicitly. Uh, I think that tiger competition is for like early ish career filmmakers in the way that like an uncertain regard uh, is. Uh, and then they have uh, they they recent their their like list of programs is crazy. They recently instituted something called the big screen competition, which is like. Not that, doing? yeah, it's like just like more established directors, but like, uh, but they have to be making movies with explosions in them. Uh, no, no, um, uh, but, you know, it's just a matter screen. of like, would you like, do you want to play in the section where the that section is the second fiddle section? Uh, 
but let's see. What do we got? We've got uh, in the competition. Uh, oh, I mean, the big thing that was kind of the headline for uh, websites reporting on it. I, I'm, I'm sure I have talked about the film Swimming Home a few times. Uh, film starring Christopher Abbott, Mackenzie Davis, and Ariana Lebed uh, by a first-time wow. British filmmaker based on a Deborah don't know if it's Levy or Levi novel. Uh, but that, and that is a strange thing to premiere at Rotterdam, but also a thing that kind of all throughout the year, I was like, that has to premiere somewhere. And the answer is here, which is unusual. I cannot remember the last time a movie with uh, a bunch of famous actors in it premiered in competition at Rotterdam. Uh, but excited about that. We love all those actors. Always excited to see what they're up to. Yeah. Uh I believe the premise is that uh, Davis and Abbott are on vacation and a naked woman appears in their pool, uh, who I must be Ariana Labed. Sure. Um, maybe we'll do a things. maybe we'll do a book club when we come back. We'll all read Swimming Home. Uh, what else? Uh, Lev Kalman and Whitney Horn have a new movie. They. Uh, Two Planes and a Fancy was their most recent. Elf for Leisure. Uh, very, very... I, I haven't seen any of these, but, like, very low-key uh, American independent filmmakers. Uh, this one is called Dream Team. It stars Esther Gorell uh, as one of the two leads. Let me see if I can pull up the... Just the, like, Rotterdam uh, description of it. I'm like, this sounds insane. But the, by the way, I do think there's a piece of news we should talk about, but we can get into he, that. What, what was that? I think there's another piece of news. I don't think we oh, talked sure. about the Berlin Panorama on the podcast. Sure, they announced a few things. Um, okay, here's the... Uh, this is long. Uh, it's 1997 and two Interpol agents know and chase... Esther Gorel and Alex Zhang Hungtai from the band Dirty Beaches are assigned to investigate the mysterious death of a coral smuggler in Mexico. As their investigation takes them into weirder and more tropical realms, they become caught up in a probable international conspiracy involving an inappropriately sexy coral scientist, two wellness-loving interns, Lectures on neuropsychology and platonic absolutes, a psychic network of coral reefs, wine tasting that doubles as a team building exercise for a utopian basketball team, and a bewildering invisible colleague. Meanwhile, the agency's platonic relationship, always professional, always tender, burns almost to the point of bright molten lava. Uh, very Tinder. excited for this. Wow. Uh, oh, it it's a 16 millimeter series. Also, it says it's seven episodes, each with their own credit sequence. Uh, this sounds great, but they're short episodes because the whole thing's 91 minutes long. It's like Command Z, of course. Um, and then yeah, there's a Rainier Kohlberger short. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff. Maybe we'll talk about more. Uh, it's another one of these. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be other cool stuff that comes out of this. You know, like in recent years, we had like uh, 
the Plains was a Roddenberry premiere. Excuse me, uh, Pebbles, Friends and Strangers. Sure. Amelia, you wanted to talk about Berlin. Oh yeah, the, this also the, a, a piece of the Berlin lineup came. Out. Yeah, the they they do out. this where like in yeah. December they'll be like, here's like six movies from this section. Yeah, that is a section that has movies that end up being something in it. For but sure. Year, I mean, a lot yeah. of the big things in Panorama also play at Sundance, but yeah. there are some premieres. But Reality didn't play Sundance, Reality right? was a premiere that was in reality Panorama. Was so yeah. Yes. So there are, I would say there's Panorama. probably more premieres in Forum uh, that are movies people hear about, but there's maybe a couple other uh, from Panorama last year as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do know passages played Sundance, and I guess this year's passages, passages is I saw the TV club, which is sure, yes. around. yeah, and... that's in there. Uh, I've heard, yeah, I I am curious to see if there will be another Sundance uh premiere in competition, as we had with past lives last year, never really, sometimes always in previous years. The I think we've talked about not on the air that. Another thing that would seem uh, like a possibility for the non-premiere, uh, the the international premiere in Berlin competition would be Janet Planet would make a lot of sense. Uh, but there, there, there's nothing in Sundance that I'm like, that will obviously be in competition, but there's the other A24 ones. Um, Nathan Silver maybe makes more sense in like Encounters. I would imagine his movie will be at Berlin, uh, but could be uh, uh, a lame duck year competition uh, s selection. For sure, for sure. Yeah, it also... It seems to be less movies this section. It's not. Year. It's just like the first. It's the beginning. Oh, so it's of, the first yeah, round. There okay. will be a bunch more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know much about any of these other things. There's a movie starring Sorcerer Sor Ronan here also. That's a Sundance by... movie as well. Yeah. Okay, the Outrun, uh, which Nora Fingscheit, I think, has been in competition at Berlin yes, before. She seems to have been in competition with a movie called System Crasher. Yes. Which is the same name of the upcoming Ruben Ostland film, I believe. Or no, is that like all systems crashed? Mm. He's going to get remember. all of us back on board with that one. What do you mean? <laughs> Who's off board right now? <laughs> he finally got me back <laughs> after the square. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have uh, more more Berlin, more Rotterdam, more <laughs> Sundance when we return from our extended holiday break. Did we talk about that? Of course, Oslin loved Anatomy of a Fall. <laughs> uh, no. no just, after would... seeing it, I'm just like, of course he did. It makes so much sense. Does it? I Sure, I guess. Never mind. Cut this I, out. <laughs> nope. Uh, I I can't remember if this was on the air or off it. I know when I was talking with uh, Jackson about uh, Zone of Interest, he said that it uh, seemed like one of the things that Ostlin was making fun of in the square, and it's unclear if he uh, presumably did not 
did not catch that uh, unless he was in there. And maybe that's the reason why it didn't win the palm. He was in there going, no, this is stupid. It can't win. Maybe. Uh, had to get yeah, the maybe. Grand Prix. Maybe. Yeah, it, uh, it seems like his movie's called The Entertainment System is Down. That can't be what it's called. Listen, I mean, I hope what... and I pray that it's called that. <laughs> this is what the letterbox page for this film okay. has to be titled as. Maybe it's just a direct translation. Maybe. Some I, places, yeah. The movie's some places... in English, I think. Or I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Um, right, it's gonna it's gonna start Jim Carrey. <laughs> what? I don't know. Just imagining. Oh sure, like yeah. That choosing like very broad. I mean, I think I think it's stars. sure. I think it's just Harrelson is gonna be back. Uh, sure. But I don't know. We haven't heard anything about that in a while. Maybe uh, I don't. Maybe he's figuring out the logistics of shooting a, an eight-hour movie in real time on a transatlantic flight, which is the only thing that that movie should be. And he was really busy loving Anatomy of the Fall. Uh huh. Obviously, right. The thing that we pretty all obviously. Like. <laughs> I mean, it's a easy to like movie. It's right. obvious. If you told me anyone really like loved it. Anatomy of a Fall, I wouldn't be that surprised. I feel like. I mean, I guess I, I yeah. sure. I listener, see I'm how rolling my like... eyes so hard my neck breaks. <laughs> I see. Sorry, I brought up a thought. No, I no. see. I see what you mean. That he'd You're be like, "Ooh, this is this is excavating truths about the human experience." Uh, yeah. I get like more in the like force majeure mode than the more recent stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she came to me. What a what a film! We've really? all seen it, right? I yes. think so. I'm just, I'm just, I haven't seen any logs from two out of four. <laughs> I'm behind on logs. Don't, we don't want to talk about it. I don't uh, a log backed I'm, up. I'm logging it on this podcast, saying my thoughts on it. Wow. Well, then lead us off. Um. So she came to me, directed by Rebecca Miller, a director I'm not that familiar with. I guess I we should start there. No, sure. Yeah. Yes. I've never seen any of her other films. She is Arthur Miller's daughter. Yeah, Arthur Miller's daughter. That's true. Uh, uh, a famous American dramatist. Yes. Daniel Day um, Lewis is her husband. That's also that's right. true. He's the he uh, personal. He's the he he's do. the stay at home father now. I guess their kids are adults. Um, <laughs> sure. It'd be funny if he was like, no, I really want a chance to be a stay-at-home father, so he forces adult children to live with them. Um, I also don't know if their children are the two of their children. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they um, might. They might have children. Either. But I, yeah, I have seen Maggie's plan. I've also But I, like I saw it in, of... I saw it in the theater, so I don't remember it super well, other than, like, I think I mostly liked it, but sort of thought it fizzled out by the end. Like, yeah, kind of does. Um... I saw but, it earlier this year. Not to cut you off, go ahead. No, that's all. That was all I had. So I'm glad that you shared your thoughts. Um, but yes, this movie it premiered. It opened Berlin. Yes, of, of 2023. We were probably right? talking about it earlier this year. <laughs> or like the new movie with Chris Gethard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, not to interrupt. They do. They do have two children together, uh, <laughs> Ronan and Cashel, and of course, she's also stepmother to uh, Daniel Day Lewis's oldest son with Isabel Adjani. That yeah. must be a fun like Christmas if they all get together. <laughs> sure. 
Well, see, yeah, her being a step parent is interesting because there's some interesting That's step true. parent stuff there in this is, film. We'll get to it. We'll there's a lot it. of step parent stuff. That's kind of <laughs> one of the main things about this movie. The, the thing with Rebecca up. Miller is I feel like being in like video stores and like seeing IMDb pages for actors, I've seen a lot of the names. I mean, she's only made four movies before this. She had Angela, Personal Velocity. The Ballad of Jack and Rose, or sorry, five movies. Uh, Private Lives of Pippa Lee and Maggie's Plan. Yeah, not including she a directed, documentary about yeah. Arthur Miller. And but, then she, yeah, uh, she also I had no idea uh, collaborated with David Auburn on the screenplay for Proof. Sure, okay. I think she's in Meyerowitz stories. Yes. Um, Mrs. But, Parker in the Vicious Circle. Yes, I feel a sneeze coming on. It's not coming. Uh, uh, Ballad of Jack and Rose is Daniel Day-Lewis, and I just feel like that's always it's an I- iconic poster in my mind. Uh-huh. Um, but then also it's like, I don't know what that movie's about. I don't know mm-hmm. what Private Lives of Pippa Lee is about. I just know nope. it's like got a lot of people in it. And then yeah. it's like uh, personal, Maggie's playing. Personal Velocity okay. apparently won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance. Sure, I mean, uh, also Angel won the Casavetes Award at the Indie Spirit Awards. Um, Ballad of Jack and Rose played Sundance. Uh, yeah, is this your first? Private Lives movie? of Pippa Lee was at Berlin. Okay, uh, so Maggie's plane was... was at TIFF, and then she came to me. Right, right, right. Back at Berlin. Okay. Yeah, the the opening film. What a what yes, a wonderful yes. selection. Though cowardly to not put it in the competition, but yes, a great <laughs> the... opening film. If I showed up to a festival and the first thing yeah. they showed me was she came to me, I'd be like, like oh, we we're are not cooking. We're not here. fucking around at this festival. Yeah, yeah. and you know, um, you know, not getting into she came to one from like minute one, you're like, we are cooking. Yes. We are in Se- yeah. uh, that Second one. Even. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah, Maggie's plan is, like, solid. It's got some issues. Um, but it, it was good. I'm glad I watched it before watching this so I can know that her movies aren't about humans, really. <laughs> this is the thing. The, is I feel like uh, my impression of Rebecca Miller before having seen any of her movies was just, like, people do not really like her. Yeah, she she makes odd films, right? Yeah. But she gets like she gets like big, yeah. Big cats I mean, huge for this one. We've got yeah. Peter Dinklage, Anne Hathaway, Brian Darcy James, Chris Gethard, Joanna Coolidge. Now, uh, the two, Marissa some, Tomei, the two kids. Some... Yes, and the kid, uh, 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 Harlow Jane, is Thomas Jane and oh. uh, Arquette's. I, I forget which one. Patricia, <laughs> uh, Patricia yes. Uh, their daughter. That makes child. sense. Um, the um, this is just Wikipedia research. Yeah, but 2017 they announced with a cast. Yes, this is on IMDb as well. Schumer and Nicole Kidman. Amy Schumer, did you say? Amy Schumer. Yes, Amy Schumer. Yes. Would you assume is must have been the Tomei? Yeah. Yes. I, don't she, she would I would say. I would say all of those clear downgrades. I sure, think sure, sure. I think Carell. You think Carell's the deep, Carell? There's a world. Or the Darcy that, James. Oh, I was assuming Carell as the course. lead. Yeah, that's which. Yeah, kidding, that's like I don't. You know, that could work. I feel like at that particular time he was maybe in a slightly 
rough uh, stage of his career performance-wise. Schumer did tell me the, the biggest upgrade you can imagine. And I think Kidman probably would be good, but, but Hathaway, Hathaway is so incredible. <laughs> the And then uh, in 2021, they announced Hathaway, Tomei, Kulig, but also Tahar Rahim and Matthew Broderick, who you must assume was playing the Darcy James. Whoa, that's... That's sure. funny. That I makes mean, a like, lot of sense. Yeah. And then Tahar Rahim, I mean, who's he? Is he? Would he have been English? the kid? I guess. No. The kid. Well, Tahar yeah. Rahim is he's an adult. adult. He's like an adult, right? Yeah, yeah he's like in his 30s or 40s. <laughs> huh. <Sure>. Famously, <laughs> famously was uh, something with Jerry. I. Yeah, uh, there was a jury exactly. conflict of interest where yeah, him and his, his wife. wife had a film in yeah. competition, uh, sure. <laughs> um, and the reverse situation. And Tahar Rahim and Joanna Kulig both in the Eddie, so maybe Rebecca Miller's watching the Eddie, and mm. she's like, "I got to get these people." But Tahar Rahim was only in the first episode. No spoilers, but uh-oh. uh I I do wonder who he would have played because he's also like a good. I, I like Tahar Rahim. He's good. Yeah, I mean if if. Dinklage was not originally listed in that article. Maybe it was that role. I mean, I don't like. I can. I can imagine the world where Matthew Broderick plays that role as well. It's a. It's a strange yeah. one, but sure. Dinklage is so good. Uh, Dinklage is, is very good. Yeah. Ev- I mean, we... this is like everyone is so good in this movie. So everyone we should maybe explain what the in. premise of she I came to me is. Every, I think everyone is so good. Uh oh. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. The premise is... The premise of She Came to Me, right, is we have Peter Dinklage as a struggling opera composer mm-hmm. who yes. is, is suffering yes. a blockage. He hasn't written an opera slotted. in five years. Right. Um, and he's like, he's like his collaborations yes. are falling apart yeah, and stuff. He's got he's a like, grant, a, but the grant's running a, out. Right. Um, and he is married to his his former therapist, who he calls former. Doc. I don't know about Doc. former. Well, we they, don't see them yeah, actively really have any therapists so. during. He the, prescribes him medicine, yes. or at least gives him some. Sure, medication. Um, uh, he calls her Doc. Uh, yes. as I mentioned. Um, uh, and she has uh, a a son from a previous marriage who mm-hmm. uh is like high school yeah. uh, and is in, has a girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, the girlfriend, it ends up being the case that her mother is their newly hired uh, housekeeper. Yes. Um, and then she is, who's the housekeeper, the, the girl's oh, mother is married to Brian Darcy James, who is not the daughter's father, but yes. has adopted yes. her legally. He is a court reporter who is also a Civil War reenactor. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and to, who, to clarify, uh, to further clarify the relationships, I think the implication is that uh, I can't remember, Harlow Jane's character, yes. her father is just like not, has never been in the picture. And then yes, uh, yes. Anne Hathaway's first husband has passed away, was an yes. ocular surgeon. Yes. Right. They had a. Uh... And it they, sounds they, like, like they, underline it that they had like split up and then he died. Right. 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 Um, um so uh Dinklage is in search of inspiration in order to finish his opera so that he can continue his opera composing career. Yeah. He yeah. goes out on a walk. Yes. He encounters at a bar Marissa Tomei, mm-hmm. uh, who a is a captain. tugboat captain, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. She she er, she drives a tug, as she says multiple times, I believe, yeah. in the film. Uh, who is also a sex and love addict. 
she takes him back to her tugboat yeah uh to her quarters where they have a brief love affair um then he is like this was a mistake or whatever leaves he writes an opera about well this. he falls into the water we should, sure. maybe that's right. more minute detail but <laughs> right. sure we also yeah. this is like the first 25 well, minutes the of the movie like this we didn't what right. the it, but jesse after seeing it was trying to push a everyone guess what she came to me yes. about before you see it because yeah. like the trailer and you can see there's some of like the civil war reenacting stuff just like peppered in uh but it doesn't really you don't get anything beyond dinklage hathaway tomei really yes right um so yeah so he writes this opera he invites Tomei to see the opera, some or she comes to no, see. She, I don't. Yeah, she I'm just not, goes. She, she goes, hears right. about it. She's at the opening because she's she's talked about that she's like had issues with stalking. Yes, right. So you can just you know, uh. So yeah. So she decides she's his muse and wants to like pursue a longer relationship with him. He is having all sorts of anxiety attacks about all this situation. Uh, and then the the back half of the movie is really yes. is about uh, the fact that Brian Darcy James discovers that the his adopted daughter has is has had sex with uh, uh, the son. Yes. And he is upset about that and decides to pursue statutory rape charges against them. Yes, because yes, he's and 18 and she's 16. Yes. She's like advanced. She's like skipped a grade. So yes. she's younger. Um, and uh, then the rest of the movie is sort of about all of them sort of conspiring how to uh, solve these legal issues as, as yes. to the best of their ability. Yeah, yeah, Brian Darcy James just, like, it eventually becomes clear right. is this, He's, like, like racist. And, right, just, yeah. like, this yeah. absolute villain of a man. Yes. Which is, it's a very funny turn. Because you start, and it's right, like, oh, this he does sort of start like out, a dork, but yeah. he also is, like... Right, and, like, he provides a certain strict. amount of stability. And, like, yeah. yeah, like, you know. He's like, you gotta pass it this way. Like, the food on the table has <laughs> right. to go the right. Yes. And, like, sort of very... Right. yeah. But, like, not evil. And then it just, like, he keeps going deeper yes. to the point where at the end they're doing another reenactment. She's like, you're with the Confederates now? And he's like, I go wherever <laughs> they need me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do need to talk about Brian Darcy James as, like, surely this decade he'll have an Oscar. It, it you... seems like he's the guy at this point. Like <laughs> Your lips to God's ears, Cullen. Oh yeah, my you, God. It's, you would hope, I dare not. I dare not dream such a dream. He, he's been in, like, 15 <laughs> movies so far this decade. I feel like I keep seeing him in every... Because he's in another movie this year, right? He's in Pain Hustlers, I guess. He but he's also... Great last year, Hustlers. he was in The Cathedral, which he's incredible yeah, so in. so good. And it's like... Surely it's gonna yeah, reach a breaking point where it's like sure. everyone is talking I mean, about him in certain he's circles. He's on Broadway I'm, right now. Yes, like a I mean, very I, of buzzy, course, he's I mean, a Broadway he is, legend. But like, he's, yeah, he's so in like a very buzzy uh, Days of Wine and Roses. Right. Uh, yes. The the new Adam Gettle score, who is like a uh, the grand the grandson of Richard Rogers' daughter or a son of uh, Mary Rogers. Um, and I'll say briefly. Not go ahead. Sorry. No, that's all. Uh. Strict musical is bad, but no, incredible. But you, it is impossible to believe that that is Brian Darcy James from what I know now. It's just like that's Shrek, <laughs> that's not him. So I do have to commend that's that. Shrek. It's, it's really He's got an incredible Shrek. baritone, he brings such a soulfulness. To Shrek. Yeah, it's crazy that he also um, can sing because he doesn't really do that in movies. And it's yeah, just like, whoa, yeah. this guy who's like incredible He's, at acting, yeah. even, even in the so big funny. musical he was in. Uh, not a not a big singing. You're right. He's so good in West Side Story. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Officer maybe this Cupcake. is me in like 2014 where I'm like, Scoot McNary's the dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's quite like, that, but I don't know if he's going to win an Oscar. Again, I just feel it would like, be wonderful. Yeah. I, I The I, thing yeah. is just, I don't would, know that he has any interest in pursuing sure. that. Like, there's no like. Right, I, there's see, no like, upcoming projects point, on right. his IMDb page. Right, he'll do like interesting movies. He will, but he'll also be like, he'll be like the guest star in your like procedural pilot, who's like the example case of the week guy sure. or whatever. <laughs> sure, like he'll like show up. He's in Devs for he's like in a an single episode, episode of Devs. Right? He's been yeah, on six he... episodes of Evil. He's on one episode of right. Hawkeye. <laughs> That's right. He's right. He's uh he's Hawkeye's dad who dies. Um, or uh, young Hawkeye's dad who dies. Um, uh, uh-huh. yeah. It, so he like the he'll, cathedral he'll... in the Hawkeye universe. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, but yeah, he'll he'll show up and do anything. Like he, uh, when uh last week tonight uh, to evoke it for the second time this episode did <laughs> like when they won their lawsuit against some like very litigious guy and they did like a big musical number. He comes in and like sings the the big like. He plays the lawyer and like sure. talks about how this guy is like That's a funny. uh or whatever. Um it's it yeah, he'll 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 show up and just do stuff like Whoa. New York adjacent all the time, I feel like, in addition played... to like having a, a a notable stage role at least every two years or so. He played Brian Wilson in Bombshell. It can't be that Brian Wilson. It must be a Brian Wilson from the fucking news. Oh, I'm sure, sure, sure. not aware of that Brian Sure. You mean Brian Williams? Oh, maybe I'm thinking of Brian Williams, but it says Brian Wilson. <laughs> Who's Brian Wilson, the news guy? Isn't that the news guy? I don't know. Uh, there, now. yes, there is a news correspondent for uh, Fox News <laughs> named Brian Wilson. I, Brian Glenn. Wilson. I didn't think that it was Beach Boys. Brian Wilson for the. I I, underst- I understand that now. That was, was only like, a thing I thought. Yeah. Not that. I was like, wait a minute. What do you mean not that Brian Wilson? <laughs> Isn't that his name? Um, and he hasn't been in 15 things. He's been in five. But. Sure. But what an impact in each of them. You see the cathedral and you see this yeah. and you're like, maybe someone. I mean, Spielberg already used him. But like, maybe someone will be like, this guy yeah. needs something. He's yeah, like, that's what best. I was going to hmm. say. Like, I don't know that he's going to win an Oscar by the virtue of him being in movies like She Came to Me. Which... Sure. But uh, people watching it, you know, it's like, this is what I'm saying. It's like, once the conversation bubbles and up. Right. And like... well, this is like, he's like very get like, you know, he's like in spotlight. Right. And like, sure, he's sure, like yes. the least he's... famous guy of like all the famous of like all the main roles. First in man or he's whatever. in. Right. Right. He's um, the president of the United States in X Men: Dark Phoenix. That's right, I believe, which means he's te- he is playing Ronald Reagan. I think is like my argument, Whoa. or maybe he's Bill Clinton. Or something. Like, because those <laughs> because in because like Days of Future Past has someone like literally playing Nixon or whatever, and sure. they need to jump a decade. Okay, so I think fine. I'm like that one. Sure. He has to be like Bill Clinton or George H. W. Bush. He's in an, is what he is. Yeah. He's in an episode of Mozart in the Jungle as Ludwig van Beethoven. That's Ooh. right. He plays Beethoven, uh, you know, because because uh, uh, the the uh, uh, the main Bernal. character in Mozart in the Jungle, yeah, Bernal is like haunted by like classical composers who will show sure. up. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, um, but back to she came to me. Yeah, we've established what it's about. Yes, Emilio, what are your thoughts on she came <laughs> to me? We'll start with you. Uh, I liked it. it it's uh, always good to see a movie that is uh, consistently surprising throughout <laughs> it, where you yeah. are 
everything is like uh, a sort of, well, I'm not going to say everything is a delightful welcome. I don't know that every single aspect that it introduces, I'm like, oh yeah, this is an interesting place to go, but it, it is fun that it just goes different places and it looks very good. Yeah. It has a solid look, good score. Yes. That I was uh yeah. surprised reading the Wikipedia that it's a Bryce Redman. Yeah, because I yeah. yeah. His neither Desney brother, I would say, has an especially impressive scoring career. Uh but this one's great. Yeah. I, I don't and know Sam if, Sam Levi uh Levi shot it. Yes. Yeah. I I don't know shot. if Bryce Desner was involved in any of the the like opera composition. I know I, I'm sure yeah. there were opera people. I know I don't know if he has written other operas. I know he's done other classical composition. Yeah. Uh, but it may, makes sense that he's the kind of guy who would bridge all of these uh The things. um He did yeah. Cyrano, right? I mean they That's did the right. Music. That's true. Yeah, that might be both. Sure. The um, I think it is. Yeah, and even burn the opera element is really interesting. I think because like this does have like the heightened plot right. of an opera. That's right? the thing. Sort of, that's I'm the like, thing. how are people like this is so stupid? None of it makes sense. Like it's so she's it's so obvious what she's doing yeah. that this thing is just this extremely <laughs> heightened opera y thing. Right, uh, and like it, it underlines it like twice by having him write two operas based explicitly on events that yes. happened within the film. Or yeah, um, and cross cutting events with one at the end. Right, right. Which yeah, I thought was quite beautiful. Absolutely, uh, I did. I did as well. Yeah, um, uh, quite. But it was. It was, it was <laughs> I think it's touch. I think I yeah. It's a very at that point ending. like. There, I do. I don't. I don't think it's like a perfect movie. I think it's very, very good. And just like has, like you're saying, constantly surprising, looks gorgeous, has a great score, and I basically like every performance. Some of it is just like it, it reminded me of Landscape with Invisible Hand a little bit. <laughs> I think the 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 youthful Our relationship most in it. movie this year. <laughs> um, sure, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It, no, it, it's the... like a similar like that is when the movie I feel, and maybe I'm like the wool's being pulled over my eyes, but that's like. At its most earnest, I think uh -huh. is their relationship, and it and that leading to uh, you know the young love of like we are going we're sixteen and eighteen we know we're gonna be together forever so yes. the way we're gonna like win is we're gonna get married <laughs> yes and then she cross cuts it with the alien opera yeah I'm just like yeah this is beautiful and like Kulig yeah. I think her her turn into like. I choose you over him. I think is really nice, and like yeah. their relationship, how it rebuilds, I works. Know. I don't know that maybe... the kid. I don't know the kid romance ever did. Oh, uh, I think. Sure, maybe, sure. I, I mean, it's... May, maybe through virtue of I don't think either of those actors I find very compelling. Whereas I thought, like, I guess my initial thought on the movie when I was first watching it was like, Peter Dinklage is really good in it. I really am glad to see him get a role where he can like really do stuff and really like play a character because have I you seen think he... no uh because i do think he's a very good actor and i'm glad to see him get a role like this and i thought the Anne hathaway stuff was really funny especially where it ends up yeah. and the, like, <laughs> yeah we haven't talked about the her last shot of her at all magnificent <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like like a blotted in my yes. living room <laughs> 
I'm like, yeah, she's one of the best actors of our generation, I think. <laughs> like, yes. undeniably, how do you oh, do yeah. <laughs> that shot of her with the yeah. habit on tears in her eyes? <laughs> Did we, we should have given her an award for Armageddon time last I year. I agree. I mean, she's so good in Armageddon. Yeah, time. she's really good. She in is. That. Uh, she goes into Armageddon time voice a little bit. I was about to say, she does, <laughs> she's got a Jewish father, her character. Mm. She does get into. When she's stripping for Gether, like the Kreplach story. Right? Yes, yeah. the Kreplach, of course. Um, yeah. Maybe we should go, go to a clip now. We have we we've yeah, done that's, uh, that's right. Yeah. Minutes and we we've got five clips from our listeners. We solicited them at the end of last episode. Thank you and to everyone Twitter, and course. on yes. Twitter, on Instagram. I don't know how fruitful yeah. that was. Andy, uh, did you uh, did you? Read blue sky posted or whatever they call it. It was there. it was skeeted once. I did not read. <laughs> oh <it. my> <laughs> All right. Without further ado, let's play. Clips. Let's play. <laughs> Clip. It was skeeted. I, that Sorry. we can't. We let's can't play. Clip A. Hey everybody, my name is Michelle, calling in for the she came to me tacular. I saw she came to me in an AMC, more specifically the Universal City Walk AMC, and I think it was a Wednesday night. Um, I think it was very weird. It was a weird movie. Uh, the, the thing that really fascinated me the most about it was watching Brian Darcy James, who I know from uh, such classic hits as Shrek the Musical and the first season of Smash, uh, play right. a character who completely turns into like a incredibly evil man you know, <laughs> i was just kind of like surprised about how much i cared about this little romance between the two younger characters and, yeah. and just how little i didn't care I, I didn't care for uh peter dinklage and everyone else um but at no. the end of the day you know i think i had a good time watching the movie because i don't think you get to see a lot of movies where people like Peter Dinklage and Marisa Tomei and Anne Hathaway are playing these characters. And at the end of the day, a movie that brings these opportunities to the fold, that lets somebody like Peter Dinklage play the lead in a movie like this, that lets somebody like Anne Hathaway do a role like this, and that, most importantly, lets Marisa Tomei pretty much come in and steal the scene. I think that's a movie worth existing. Worth existing. So, I guess if I, if I had one word... To say about she came to me is grateful. Wow! Thank you so much, Thank you, Michelle. Michelle. Yes, that we was... are grateful for you as yeah. we are for all of our listeners. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I... I... Go ahead. I agree that Dinklage is great. If I haven't said it, yeah, he I do is... think. I mean, you get from the trailer. Not to keep talking about the trailer, <laughs> but there's that little bit and the. Uh, and it, it, it works in the movie as well, is when he's, like, writer's block walking around. She's vacuuming, and he's like, leave that on. Yes, that's a <laughs> and then uh, he, he takes his great little French bulldog out on a wall, Levi, yeah. uh, which is, like, talk about a great dog. Um, and the, the the scene where he falls in the water after, uh, you know, being with right. Tomei is, like, maybe not what his performance is doing, but that scene uh, where it's, like, the tugboat horn blast and it's like the first little piece of music and it's like right. the score starts syncing up with it and he's in the water it's all green 
and then it starts like stretching from uh, we we also haven't talked about the sort of aspect ratio fuckery she's yeah. doing uh but it is you know whatever like close crop like 4-3 and then starts spreading and like stretching at the same time as she's like overlaid the opera singer's face on Peter Dinklage's and it's singing over the music. It's such a beautiful moment. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, the, the amount of it that I got to rewatch the other night, I was attempting to see if I could figure out any sort of rhyme or reason as to the aspect ratio stuff. Yeah. I, I think I, she just I, I wanted was, yeah. to do it. Right. Yeah, I have, it, right. That's the like, thing is, is like, it, it never, when it's sorry. Kids, and then is it wide when it's, Dinklage, but that's not. No. Yeah, no, it's not that. And then I was like, "Is the like more that it's like sort of elevated the more?" That's it. I was but, saying like, I well. don't, I don't know right. that that tracks either. No, but I also uh, I feel like I, I, you know, I have seen movies where there is it feels similarly like it's hard to track what is motivating what, and it feels like it's still being very showy about right. Like, Oh, yes. notice the, the 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 difference, and I feel like this one was it was subtler, where it was like I yes. wasn't always constantly it's not tracking distracting. like distracting. I feel like it was like right a now. good ways into the movie the first time I saw it, where I was like, wait a second, this keeps switching aspect ratios. <laughs> What's uh, and was not a thing I was thinking about constantly. Yeah. There's the one where I also was like, is it when it's just like. At its most sort of heightened surreal, when Hathaway's walking through like the church and like ends up in the room, uh, and you know you've got like the big shot of the corner of the wall and like all the light coming in uh, when she like decides she's gonna be a nun, I guess. <laughs> but uh, that moment, of, but then I I think like you're both saying it's just like she's just experimenting, she's just having fun. Yeah, because <laughs> that's the other thing is like Maggie's plan is a lot more normal of a movie, but there are strange things to it. So it seems like she, as someone who's only seen, you know, one of her other movies, it seems like she's progressively getting stranger. Sure. I Yeah. Well, maybe we'll check in on some of those uh, yeah. earlier films at some point. Uh, but yeah, this is just like, this movie is like so locked into a tone that is yeah. so bizarre and just like nailing it constantly. I I will I you were talking about Emilio that the the performances of the kids are the the least effective and I think that's probably true. I think that relationship yeah. totally works for me on the level that it's supposed to be of like it is just these two kids who you're like yeah, let's go ahead and trust them and believe them that they're in love even though that doesn't make any sense. Uh it it does mostly come off as just like uh, this is very sweet that this is yeah. how she's yeah. choosing to do this. Uh, they, they, them, you know, I think they're both pretty good. They're not. I, yeah, I think their relationship is nice. I think they're mostly really good. I think I, what I'm mostly thinking of is just like, if there are any moments in this movie that made my teeth hurt a little, it's a couple of like Joanna Kulig and the daughter talking to each other. Mm. That, that sure. I sometimes like, this feels. Like, I feel like, as you said, it, it has, like, a weird tone that it's, like, weirdly nailing a lot of the time. And that, those are one of the few moments where I could feel it, like, tipping in a direction where I sure. thought it was t too much rather than maintaining a balance. Yeah. I do think the uh, the one the one Dinklage and the son scene, At like, the after Anne Hathaway's breakdown or whatever, yeah. where he where 
he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I haven't been like as good a stepfather to you as I could have been. And he's like, well, you taught me these things or whatever. Yeah, you taught me how to fail. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, I do think that scene is very nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Um, yeah. Because I, I do think like that is also like it's a relationship dynamic that you don't I don't feel like you maybe don't see explored that much of like a, a stepfather and stepson sort of like. I don't know. It's, it, it made me think about sort of like what that relationship dynamic in like as an archetype might be in general more than I feel like I have in, in, in a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think like Emilio was saying about just like how good Dinklage is. He is such like an emotional actor <laughs> yeah. that everything mm -hmm. like you can, the scene where he is trying to coach the opera singer on how to like match what he is like picturing in his head what's in his head right yeah. uh, and it is like killing him and like the way he like is like pulling at himself and then there, uh, another right. scene he's like the... i'm gonna sit down and then he's like oh yeah. sorry i can't like stop or whatever and then yeah. uh and she's like is this a real person <laughs> um but then uh at that scene at the end where he like is talking to the, the son and then they end up going to hathaway's room uh, and he's like, you really said you'd, like, help me out? And he's like, anything at all. And it's just, like, it feels like a very real human moment. And it, it, I see what Emilio was saying of, like, the Kulig, the, the big argument between Kulig and the daughter is maybe rings, like, a little, not false, but just, like, a little, you know, not, generic is also too, like, dismissive of a word but like i i see that as like a scene where i could like you can see the seams a little bit and it's like you know i think that they end up somewhere stronger cooling and uh the daughter and their performances but the 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 dinklage one is like this is like a guy you just feel like the the, the care and the love and it feels like real <laughs> yeah and i think hathaway that is like that too because it's like i don't want to push against the like uh Kiana Kulig and the daughter stuff just because it's like big or ridiculous because like a lot of the stuff Hathaway is doing is like big and ridiculous right. also yes, but yes, that yeah. it like a trillion percent works on right because Anne Hathaway person. is like one of the absolute best actors alive and like Joanna Kulig and the kid are both good and good in the movie but they're not Anne Hathaway yeah I mean the yeah, scream after <laughs> strip I'm like how, how do you do that <laughs> it's so like yeah, yeah, I guess it, right. Yeah, it's, it's like this movie about this a uh, disillusion of a marriage, kind of. Right, and it, like all of the circumstances leading leading to that disillusion are like very unrealistic, obviously. But like yeah. these sort of underlying emotional truths did like ring to me of just like how these people are just like these people who sort of just feel like the invisible hand of the world just pushing on them all the time, and they never really like do anything that they want about it and the sort of final push for them to like yeah. explore really what they want to be in their lives it yeah sort everyone of, sort of feels felt <laughs> and real in a way i i also yeah the dinklage tomei where that ends up also feels very like emotionally satisfying right. and i like... mean right this is the thing of like it is this movie that is very sort of melodramatic but also yeah. is very funny and just is the classic like it is a comedy because it ends with weddings uh or yes. yeah yes. and and uh with brian darcy james's villain just kind of disappearing yes which is great. yeah the 
Kind of it, 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 favor it, to get the roads closed. <laughs> it is funny that it's like, uh, yeah, like Amelia, like you're saying, just like these two marriages that are like second marriages or like mm-hmm. not the father of the children, and then like you have the wedding that's happening between the two kids. It's just yeah, all and like they're like you can just become like ordained in like a day online. And she's <laughs> yeah. like, well, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Like, we'll mean, get married. It, it's just like it, yeah, yeah. It does feel like almost like a like an indie cliche of just like these haves, the, the, these people who are like feel like they're living their lives completely circumstantially just like we're living how things come to us like the fact that Dinklage and Hathaway are married because he was like she was was, his therapist it just seems like something they fell into and then you get the sense of like well Joanna Kulik like she clearly like loves Dorothy James to a certain extent but also she's like needed stability needed needed stability like in like figure out an immigration situation Mm -hmm. like she had a in early pregnancy and then you know the kids sort of inspire them all to be like well if they can like take a path in their life well we can take a path in our life right and it's it's very moving and it's how there's like these relationships that maybe worked at one point and aren't anymore and kind of uh that's fine and there's these new relationships that work right now and may not forever, but it is beautiful that they're working right now. Yeah. And it's like, especially strange for you to come out of a movie and me be like, well, I'm glad Ed Hathaway found the Catholic church and became a nun. <laughs> but, uh, you kind of do end up there where I'm like, yeah. I guess, unless she ended up where she wanted to be, you know, like, yeah. she found this thing. Right. Well, right. And it does like the movie, like, makes it clear that they're not like she's doing it like they the the nun at the end is like well wait a year and we'll see how you see or whatever so yeah you get the sense that like they're like they're making sure she's actually like trying to commit to this sure thing. and there is also just like because all of this is so exaggerated there's no like necessary baggage of attaching it to the actual catholic church it is just this yeah, sort of like a nun si- right it's the symbolism the the, the iconography right. of joining well the right nunnery. and Right, and all throughout, like, she has been, like, obsessively decluttering and, like, donate, like, yes. all, all right. her interaction with the, with the church is, like, helping, is essentially, is, like, helping the poor or whatever. Like, she, oh, uh, what you see um, in, yeah. in the actual film. That re- reminded me of a very great montage in the movie where her and Kulik are cleaning together, and it's just, like, they're almost in sync with their cleaning, and when she's like, oh, my appointment canceled, we can clean together. And then she's, like, got her smock on or whatever. Yeah. She's, like, an obsessive cleaner, and, like, at one point, Dinklage is wearing shoes in bed, and she, like, freaks out about (laughs) it. Um, That, um... Can we play another clip? Yep. I was just about to say, here's clip B. Hey, this is Owen calling in from the She Came to Me Tacular. The moment in She Came to Me that I think about constantly is when they're on the tugboat escaping the Civil War reenactment to facilitate the teen marriage. They're (laughs) trying to get uh, Katrina, the tugboat captain who's addicted to romance, played by Marissa Tomei. They're trying to get her to sign this, like, some sort of witness form or, like, efficient form for the teen marriage. And they ask her what her last name is, and she goes, Shrinto! And the excitement of her sharing that her full name is Katrina Trinto (laughs) is something that I've been thinking about for the past two months on and off. Um, And I think that it's probably my favorite part of the 
movie She Came to Me, which I generally consider otherwise uncategorizable. Fair Thank enough. you, Owen. Fair. That's a wonderful That's, little moment. I love that moment, yes. uh, the shouting out, because it wasn't one that I would have thought of to, to, to But I up. do, in that moment where they start singing, I think is really beautiful. And like the camera, just like the way it is in the corner, and it's very tight on all these, like this very confined space. And obviously she's got it cropped in that moment. I think it is a very great moment as well. Um, mm-hmm. Owen also shared shared uh, some uh, clips of like people who have... Uh, tried to uh do like sheet music i don't think uh, it's people uh, like people who have tried to i think it's people sure. who people it is who their job to sheet arrange music. sheet music right. this is like for, a, um, a subsidiary of hal leonard right it does all this uh, for sheet the music uh, for, songs. for the for the bruce springsteen song yes. that plays over the end credits montage uh which does bring me to the globe Right, right. The, the reason this movie film is Golden Globe nominated, which does bring me to the question that I had last night, which is why the fuck did Bruce Springsteen write a song I, you, for this Well, movie? I had a slightly different answer at the time. I think the actual answer is probably just he is friends with Rebecca Miller and or Daniel sure. Day-Lewis, and they, one fun. of them was like, hey, do you want to write a song for this movie? It's funny to I, think about yeah. Bruce Springsteen hanging out with Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. I, I guess. Wonder, I feel like I that's kind of... I feel yeah, like I, mean, I can no easily imagine Daniel Day-Lewis seeking out friendship with Bruce Springsteen. Sure. <laughs> but, I also but... imagine he's friends with Bryce Dressner to a certain extent. Um, maybe? maybe? Do you think more maybe. likely than Daniel Day-Lewis or less like? I guess I more because he... they're in the same field. He's like a guy who loves like uh being like oh this is a young up and coming band sure, who like sure. kind of wants to do a uh Bruce Springsteen type thing. Let me help. Yeah, you let me along. sing. Keep the car running. <laughs> yeah, let me help you out. Let me help the gaslight anthem or whatever. So I don't, I don't. And so I, I maybe that would help the gaslight anthem. But yeah, the song is called "Addicted to Romance." I guess yeah. it is uh, from the point of view of marissa tomei's character in some way uh i thought it was okay as far as like end credits it, songs go it does sort of add to like the a, a movie with like jarring moments where like oh we're doing this now we're doing this now where it's like this ends with this like pretty normal song yeah and it is like it's like a music video of like a classic like mo- mu- movie music video sort of style where it's just sort of showing like silent images of like the characters while the song is playing yeah um i feel like i don't know it's very strange um there's another marissa tomei moment that i really love and it's like bolded and underlined in the movie but when she goes to therapy like you know she she's she's talking to she's following dinklage and he's like you need help and instantly you're like oh she's gonna go see hathaway and uh, that's the other thing with like Maggie's plan is also it is like it's very farcical like she in that movie Greta Gerwig's trying to get pregnant by like a sperm donor and she just goes to someone who she knew and uh, is like gonna turkey baste her herself like and then it's like a big mix up Ethan Hawke and uh, Julianne Moore are in it uh and it's just like a lot of love triangles and like marriages being broken and then mm-hmm. uh, rebuilt. And uh, this also has its, you know, screwball-y yeah. inclinations. But in that therapy scene where she's like revealing that she's a sex and love addict, this is after the opera. So Hathaway knows about it. And then it's just like, keep 
more and more details and then it's just like directly like direct address in marissa tomei's face and she just is like i'm the tugboat captain <laughs> and then it cuts to hathaway getting rid of like their five thousand dollar espresso machine <laughs> yeah yeah uh, point of clarification, if you Google Bruce Springsteen, The National, you do mostly get results about this song, but there it <laughs> does seem to be some pre-existing relationship between Bruce Springsteen and members of The National uh, for a pretty, Maybe it's that. pretty long time that they've known each other. Uh, do we just roll right into another clip? Yeah, let's do it. Clip C. Hello, Siggy. I'm Alexander, and this is my piece on She Came to Me for the She Came to Me-tacular. Uh, I watched this with my mom uh, about a month ago, and neither of us had really any concept of what it was or what it was about besides that it was <laughs> Rebecca Miller. And we both, we both liked it fine, but were mostly kind of perplexed. But not, the, more, the longer I've sat with it, the, the longer it's you know, lingered with me more than like most, most other movies that I, that I loved more. Um, just sort of by virtue of, of being so, so fucking weird and, and beguiling. Uh, mm -hmm. Hathaway's great. The, the score is lovely. I think Sam Levy is doing some career best work here. Uh, I, 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 I yeah, it's, uh, it's a gas. I, I hope she keeps making movies this weird. It's great. Yeah adjective uh, thank you for this yeah mm -hmm. it is a gas for sure yeah i do i do want to have have we ever addressed on the air uh how you pronounce uh c-i-k-i no yeah or I, yes and i don't well because we say like sicky pod or whatever is like well this is the thing is is i say i say kiki when i'm it's can right on the occasion that i pronounce it i usually do say c-i-k-i but when i pronounce it i say kiki i certainly understand why one would say sicky uh i maybe even heard andy do it but i'm yeah yeah i think i default to sicky but like i don't have strong feelings about it mm -hmm. i would say Sam, so, Le Sam Levi, what a weird yeah. guy. Yeah. Huh? A lot of Bombach, right? A lot of Bombach. Yeah. Uh, the, confess uh, Fletch. Yeah, Confess Fletch. His Three Daughters is his other thing this year. Oh, another yeah. interesting looking movie. I yeah. like the way that movie and, and looks. A yeah. Great, yeah. So a great year for Sam he Levy. He seems to work a lot of, in like comedy specials. He did like Rough Annie. Mm -hmm. Sure, yes. Yeah. He worked on Crashing. Interesting. Also, yeah, Maggie's Pete Holmes is crashing. Story. Pete Holmes is crashing. Yeah. Uh, Wendy and Lucy throwback. Yes. Uh, his, sort of his the upcoming like project seems to be a series he's working on with that's uh, a Julio Torres series that he's writing, directing, and starring in. Uh, yeah, cool, cool career for sure. Yeah. It's yeah, and I, I mean. To talk about how good this movie looks, all of the shots of like the tugboat on the water are so gorgeous, and like all the ones at nighttime with the just the lights and you get like city skylines, it's just beautiful. Yeah, you you posted some screenshots to Twitter. I think oh, yeah. it is like every, so much of this movie is like gorgeous. Uh, right. Yeah. There's lots I mean, of like color, like yes. mood sort of like moments where it's like the screen will become very red or very blue or very yeah, yeah. green uh 
Yeah, there's a moment where Hathaway's like in the bathroom and it's like very the color shift is very strong. It's like very blue. Um the uh I want to talk about the opera. Mhm. Sure. How often do we see opera in English like this? Mm. Well, yeah, that's the thing is like contemporary opera is like a whole world that like I feel like is not depicted yeah. very often. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, I feel like um, yeah, when when opera shown in movies, people just want to do a very classical thing. You gonna, like, like show like a Nessie yeah, Giovanni or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So they'll but yeah, I I guess I like in my mind I always know like yeah, people write operas in English. It's like you can hit a note in any language that <laughs> yeah. doesn't really matter, but it's right. never really a thing that comes up. It is, yeah. I don't, yeah. I, you know, I'm. I don't know a lot about opera, as yep. which might surprise I some have, of our listeners. I have as not once who loves in my life theater so much. been to the opera. Uh, I've never seen right. I've never seen an opera in person. Like I do, like occasionally we'll catch like flipping through the channels. I guess not anymore these days. But when I would flipping through the channels, the thing I would do would occasionally catch like they'd have like a John Adams opera on PBS or something broadcast, and like that would be in English. Um, I know this year they there was an opera version of The Hours that was an uh, adaptation of The Hours that was in English with um, sure. Kelly O'Hara and um, yeah. Renee I Fleming. Like it, I feel like, yeah, my entire concept of what are operas these days or are like national theater live trailers before movies. I see. Sure. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, or, oh, you're right. National theater live or like the Met, Met live. Opera, yeah, yeah, right. Um I think the, uh, the the staging of the opera scenes though are, is right. very good. The big one, the like the main, uh, I forget what it's called, but the one about Tomei. Um, right. Uh -huh. The the female Sweeney Todd is someone, yes, as they uh, call it. <laughs> uh, the 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 there the one that I posted on Twitter is like right after she like brings the axe down and there's just like the beam of light in the back and it's all red. Yeah, it's very. And you strange. can see the conductor in like the background a little bit. It's it's really. Something. Yeah, and then I think it's also like a good set. Just like, yeah, it's it's good because it looks good in the movie, but it also mm -hmm. looks like sort of a realistic. -y right, you you are like I can see how like well. this would be like the cool contemporary yeah. like opera to like like it's like thoughtfully staged by like the the director of the opera itself or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. um, and I do think yeah, the alien opera like some I of mean, the choreography yeah. of that is like. Really, yeah. who played great. the opera director in that scene? And she's good. Oh she's yes, the, we're yeah, the friend. Right. Yeah, I thought it right. I, I, at moments, I was like, "Is that Edie Falco?" But I don't think it is. Whoa, Edie it's Falco. not Edie Falco. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, Edie Falco would be good in this movie. <laughs> yes, sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, oh, it's it's Judy Gold. Of course, it is. Uh, uh, who's like a comedian and uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I don't want to say it, but did she play one of Louis' sisters? <laughs> Uh, Seems perhaps. reasonable. She is in five ladies. episodes of Better Things. She's in sure. one episode of Louis. Okay. Quite Play possibly Marina. a sister. Oh, you know what? It might not be the sister. She might be in the fried chicken episode. It um, is the fried chicken episode. Let's yep. fucking go. Totally <laughs> 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 not me being proud that I was yeah, able to pull a detail on Louis. I was going to say, I would not have guessed that Cullen remembers Louis better than I do. <laughs> that's I would, weirdly, I would that's weirdly the, the, the episode of Louis I maybe think about. The Interesting. Most I like, think okay. it's... My reasoning is even lamer, but it's because they did the binging with Babish on it, and I've used that <laughs> oh. fried chicken recipe before with the cornflakes. Sure, I just think about right him like having to buy KFC or whatever at the well, end. Well, um, yeah, well he because he makes like that 
it, it look he buys like the big copper pots at the like the kitchen store and then mm -hmm. makes it fried chicken all the food and stuff <laughs> in that show looks so good yeah, yeah. All I've, right, I've, I've, maybe, I've maybe only seen like five episodes of louie i wouldn't say this movie doesn't have louie energy <laughs> that's a fair point but we cannot do this <laughs> yeah we cannot let's go to another listener yeah, submission. yeah. Okay. they don't bring Great. up louie at all my favorite scene was when i was reminding me yeah. of louie the elevator <laughs> clip d hi this is greta taylor three-time guest and friend of the pod uh, talking about Rebecca Miller's She Came to Me. Uh, I'm looking forward to the episode, to the discussion, because it's not really a movie I could analyze on my own why it works and isn't just the most bizarre, worst thing you've ever seen. <laughs> no element of it sounds promising on paper, let alone together and on screen, and yet it played so beautifully for me. Um... I usually like Rebecca Miller, even though she only half of her movies work in any real way. She takes a lot of bizarre swings every time. They usually don't quite connect, but this time I've really felt them come together by the end in a way that was very, very emotional in ways I wasn't expecting. Um, as usual with Rebecca Miller movies, very well acted love seeing that side of Anne Hathaway um and it's gorgeous probably the best cinematography of Sam Levy's career to date um I hope to that there's some discussion of the multiple aspect ratios because I have no idea what it means but it looks well. so great and I'll yeah. forgive it um and also lastly uh, the Bryce Desner score is maybe my favorite of the year. I've been listening to it a lot. It's so beautiful. It does a lot of the heavy lifting and really makes me feel how much I love this movie every time I listen to it. Uh, that's it. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, here's to a great 2024 for the Can I Kick It crew. Uh, maybe even I'll be back. Who knows? <laughs> Thanks, Thank Greta. you so much, Greta. Yeah. Uh, wonderful to hear from you. We would love to have you back in the year 2024. Uh, happy belated birthday. I was about to say, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all right. I feel like, yeah, we, we, we luckily we've touched on most of the things she's, she brought up. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I guess, yeah, I do. I, the score did like pop up a couple of times for me. It's like, oh, there's something interesting happening here. I feel like it's like very bubbly at times or something. Like, I'm yeah, to, I have to not listened to it on its own. I yeah, either I should. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I don't I know. know. Like, does anyone have a sort of more specific uh, analysis of why it works other than just she's doing opera as a movie? Yeah, because like and part and I'm maybe it would be better if any of us knew anything about opera. Like, I don't know sure. if there's any like specificity to how <laughs> she's maybe playing with some of that convention. Uh, I do think. Well, right. Because like it is like it's the sort of thing where like there are moments where it is like unbelievable or like the coincidences or whatever. Like, I'm mm -hmm. especially thinking of like the moment where like. 
they discover that 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 their housekeeper is the the mother of the right. or, sure or, or, yeah. or like all that sort of stuff or like where there's weird connections or like when Tomei is like immediately able to get an appointment with Hathaway like after <laughs> like like all those sorts of like turns of like I don't quite but like it, it is the heightened level of like right. this is not a realistic way of like these characters like bumping into each other and interacting with each other and like and but they all are doing it in a way that like is clearly important to propelling the plot forward in like a sort of condensed way. And I think there is just something special to like the dance of like, this shouldn't work, but it is. And we're like committing to it and we're yeah. going for it. Yeah. And I guess of. I, I wonder we, whether maybe it's less like a specifically like playing with opera and more just like this sort of tradition of just like Western literature, like, like having mentioned Shakespeare that ends with a wedding thing, just like this general sort of this is sort of more of and maybe not not even just Western, sort of more of the history of literature than we would think of is this, like, even when you have, like, uh, sort of Greek uh, art criticism being ba very based in art being mimesis, that a lot of it is not that. that there, right, there has yeah. sort of been How this... self-consciously crafted it is. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and I feel like even as you said, like a lot of the circumstances don't feel like sort of realistic or they feel heightened. I think the movie does a good job of taking those circumstances and then playing them through sort of humanly mm -hmm. and realistically. Like something with something like I think like even the kid said that where where they're like where they like uh the boy and Hathaway are talking about the fact that Joanna Kulig is their there, uh, yes, uh, or he's like, two things can made. exist at the same time, it yeah. can be bad, and then it can also be like, we're in yeah, love, or whatever. Where it's like, this is a little crazy, this is a little ridiculous, obviously, but it's like, you know, we'll figure it out, we'll move forward through it, we'll yeah. sort of deal with this in a way that sort of feels emotionally real, even if the circumstances that are playing throughout it aren't real. So, it, it, it's it always sort of surprises you both with like what happens but then how sort of elegantly it deals with it yeah uh mm -hmm. evan ellison is who plays the son who i do think is good mostly and has a couple scenes like that that sort of ground everything like the scene we mentioned with dinklage is like mm -hmm. a very like truthful moment and then i also think there's a lot of like body language things that he does that feel more in line with something that would be like a naturalistic like normal movie mm -hmm. like the scene when they're on the boat at the end and it's like they are first getting there and they or it's when they first pick up uh the girlfriend from uh uh you know the, the reenactment and it's mm -hmm. like he's so excited that she's on the boat that he's just like jumping in place behind her <laughs> and it's like not something that is called attention to him it's like that is a very honest moment of like young love i think <laughs> Uh -huh. um, and then more to the movie. This is like a very ridiculous theory of mine. And it does have to do with late style. But I think that the reason late style works is there's a level of trust. And it's like an established director who has made like movies that are respected or whatever that we like you have enough trust to watch them experiment. It's like you think about the trouble mm -hmm. with Harry, uh, the Hitchcock movie, which is like 
a pure comedy about all these people acting around this dead body and acting like it's not there and just being ridiculous and doing all of the wrong things. It's like they unbury it and bury it like six times in that movie. It's so ridiculous. Or even um, To Catch a Thief, which is just like a, a travelogue, basically. But it's like the master filmmaker, Alfred Hitchcock, making this. So we trust him. We know what he is capable of so we can accept this thing. And I think similarly, he came to me starts with such a bang <laughs> that you're just like, I'm going to ride the wave that Rebecca Miller is taking me on. And that it is easy to accept a lot of like the strangeness once you're already in with it. You know, it's like everything works because it is just what the movie mm -hmm. is. It's like you just accept it. Yeah, or like even going back to that that's interesting. Like going back to sort of further uh in our in our podcast uh, in a movie that came back up recently. I remember when we first talked about Wild Grass that that's a sure. movie that like Renee has was always such a radical filmmaker and by the time he gets to Wild Grass it's like the things that he is doing that are radical are like very like unclear and like what like that you know with yes. like uh, last For year at marion bad that's like such a sort of clear experiment uh or like a, a clear thing that is being done and by the time you're at wild grass it's just like i don't know i have no idea what he's yeah. doing here but it's so uh pleasurable to just watch him be like oh, this whatever man in his yeah. 80s be like i'm gonna do whatever i feel like it's when uh, the like movie maker becomes the artist i think and it's like <laughs> when you can accept that thing it's like in water i was thinking about a lot also where i'm like i've done the work i've seen hong sing Su movies i know what he does that now i can watch him paint <laughs> i can watch his experiment <laughs> and i can get it yeah and great that uh rebecca miller has gotten to that point uh yes you know i mean and for uh for some of us having not had any uh, experience with her, cool that we just kind of hopped in and we're like, yeah, this is this is great actors. The trailer was great. We'll see it. And that's just good. Yeah, oh. it's wonderful. Um, uh, I guess another we have a clip. Thing, oh, sorry. We have we do have we have one more clip. Uh, the uh, the what I guess the other thing I've kind of that that was specifically uh, that I was thinking about what uh, last night was thinking about representation sort of generally and how Peter Dinklage has been so outspoken about uh, not wanting to do roles where the role has anything to do with him being a person with dwarfism. And this feels like a really great, like, obviously, and, you know, I say is like, a trans person often watching movies with trans people that are usually about how they are trans people and to be like, obviously, there is no trans experience. There is no experience of being with a dwarf, uh, a person with dwarfism. Sorry, uh, but this feels like a very like seeing Peter Dinklage play this role. You do just get a lot of insight into sort of like how Peter Dinklage is existing in the world and like how he is thinking about this character. And I thought it was a really wonderful sort of, like, this is what you get when Peter Dinklage is allowed to just play roles that Peter Dinklage wants to play that yeah. have nothing to do with that, that I hope we will see more of, like, 
I guess, selfishly, just like, especially like non passing trans people getting to just like play roles where you get to see how that is, you know, not what it is like to be that, but just what it is like to be that person and how they play yeah. that role. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's a lot, I feel like there's a lot of like POV shots in the movie, like looking up and like stuff yes, like that. Yeah, 100%. for sure. Like it's like, not, his, it's not yes. in the screenplay clearly. And like, it seems yeah. like there were other people who were cast in this role, but also clearly there is a lot of like, in the way the movie is constructed, it was clearly constructed with him as, in mind. Like the, the mm -hmm. little dog that he's with is, that's yeah. a great little detail. I like that yeah. dog. Yeah, but that... it's like both interesting, like from his perspective and who he is. But also, I've, I've been reading this interview with Rebecca Miller on the movie just to try to find them. Uh -huh. At one point, she also like describes Stephen as be feeling like being buried alive, which I also <laughs> sort of speaks to those sure. shots of just like feeling like people are like bearing down on you and like yeah. swallowed it's... whole. Near the end, I think there's a lot of uh, when they're like walking around the, uh... or maybe it's not the end. It's like around when uh, they 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 debut the opera for the first time. It's like you get a lot of those upward looking shots, and uh, mm -hmm. when he's sort of panicking. Um, do we want to hear the uh, last clip? Sure. Yeah. Hey, can I kick it? This is Jack Reed here. I am currently backstage, um, about to go on to um my show that i am in christmas carol circuit party i play bob cratchit it's here in nashville tennessee by the time your episode comes out it'll be too late for people to see um but i need to get this done because y'all record tomorrow morning and uh i wanted to share just some quick stream of consciousness thoughts on she came to me a movie that i find deeply perplexing and incredibly cool um it, it is a very cool movie there's kind of no way, other way to put it yeah. i wanted to have some like you know, elaborate breakdown of, <laughs> of it um, in as far, it, 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 an elaborate breakdown of how it, you know, plays as um, a work by a descendant of Arthur Miller, um, sure. who, you know, broke form quite often in his works. Um, Death of a Salesman is, of course, you know, very fractured, um, memories weaving into one another and that this isn't that, um, but it's the most that a Rebecca Miller script to me has started to feel like, you know, feel like one of her dad's plays. Um, I love Arthur Miller, you know, very, very much. I, I don't know if I can ever see myself like, you know, doing one of his plays in any fashion. Like I, it doesn't really strike me. If someone asked me to direct the crucible, I would do it. Actually, the Crucible, you know what? This is all a lie. There are many plays of his that I would do in a heartbeat <laughs> if someone asked. So if you're out there and you want to ask, um, I hope you guys can hear this. Um, if you're out there and you want me to, to do it, I will. But this is, she came to me as not, you know, fractured in quite those ways. It is very linear. But it is constantly defying expectations and in a way that, that feels very indicative, feels very indicative of her dad's work to me. Um, good luck, guys. Be great. I wish I could see it. Sorry, we have some go-go dancers that are out in the lobby. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and they just went out to do their thing. Um, anyway, but, you know, she came to me, you know, you think it's going to be the fucking tugboat captain opera movie. And it is that, but it, what, it, what it is also is a really beautiful 
portrayal of, you know, two very fractured families um, and how they, you know, avoid the easy thing in addressing how they have become fractured and how they begin to put themselves back together or do not. And that is very All My Sons. It is very Death of a Salesman. Um, and I don't know. I, I think if you are a fan of, I think if you're a fan of She Came to Me, um, okay, I've already gone over the timeline, but, but Jesse did tell me that I was allowed to go over. Um, so, you know, um, I have the receipts. I think that's all I was going to say. I don't know. If you if you are a fan of She Came to Me and it's been a minute or ever since you have read Arthur Miller or seen Arthur Miller, I recommend sure. you do it because I think that there is something there about the way families try to put themselves back together um, in the face of acknowledging that there are things that just don't work anymore um within the family it is really beautiful i think it's a very special film um i look forward to seeing it again and i hope you guys can hear this i love you all bye all sort right. of the she came to me of call go <laughs> <laughs> go dancers i thought yeah. he was saying bye to us yeah. break great. a leg jack hope your show <laughs> yeah. went well yeah, Thank you, yeah. jack uh-huh um, break a leg um, he said he's he's playing cratchit not tiny tim andy <laughs> Uh huh. playing Bob Cratch, Tiny Tim. <laughs> All right, we're gonna move on from that. Um, um, you, yeah. You want, me to, you want me to read a little bit of this answer she gave uh, yes, in this sure. interview that I think sort of gets into everything we've talked about? Sure. Sure. This is an interview on creativescreenwriting.com. Uh, she she gets asked. You we could just... totally land an interview with Rebecca if we wanted to. I have when I was looking up reviews of Mag or uh, interviews with her for Maggie's plan. There was an interview where I was like, "Who is this fucking idiot asking her question?" <laughs> <laughs> talk to her. Yeah, I mean, this seems like an interesting interview because it seems like she gets barely a question and then she goes on for a while. Uh, you've described the narrative as having an operatic reach. How so? She says. I'm going to sort of condense this a little bit. Yeah. The story kind of hurdles pell-mell. There's a causal chain, which is something I think about a lot when I write. I wanted the stakes for these people to be very high, and I think it is in the sense that there's an operatic reach. In opera, it's life or death, and love means everything. It's the same for our characters. Like yeah. Stephen, when you're an artist and you're blocked, it really does feel like you're buried alive. It is also in terms of the look and feel of the film. If you look at the opera that the, as the highest point of stylization in the film, the first one is very stark. It's red and white and very expressionistic. And then you've got the second one, which is very misty and more shades of blue and gray. It's poetic. Mm -hmm. And then you have reality. Reality doesn't have to be all the way down where we tend to think of it. It can be a little pumped up so it feels real in the film. I wanted very realistic acting and realistic scenes with real people, but with some pumped up color. It was a combination and a bit of a trick I was conjuring. Yeah. And she nailed it. What can I get? Yeah. Like, that's what she wanted to do. She did it a hundred percent yeah i think uh the life or death stakes there are two scenes that i did want to talk about uh highlighting brian darcy james uh one is when they're having the first like date with the parents where uh the boyfriend comes over for dinner mm -hmm. and uh he's like today's newspaper i haven't read it yet where they're like what do you do for your work and he's like, today's newspaper, I haven't read it yet. And he's like, get get the timer ready. And he's like pulling yes. stuff out. Right. And then faster, realize, faster, faster. Hey. Yeah, he's a courtroom stographer or a, uh, he, he, a courtroom reporter. Um, mm -hmm. And then he, uh, 
He's like faster, yeah. Like right when it's so clear it. that this exact thing has been done so many times yes. before. And then uh, the funniest thing is the daughter's like, uh, "How do we know if you get it right? None of us can read shorthand." He's like, "Because I never lie." <laughs> and then he just, like, sits down, and you're like, "What are you talking about?" But then it's like directly after that, Kulik finds the pictures, gives them to Darcy James, and he instantly is like. That's when I think the biggest turn happens because, like, he's skeptical a little bit as, like, and it sort of just feels like any father skeptical of, like, someone dating their child or whatever. And then it turns into, like, whoa, he's evil. And it's, like, mm-hmm. this is statutory rape. We're going to get him arrested. Like, I'm going to follow the law when it comes to my child or whatever. And then the moment where he is filming the daughter and, like, gets her, it's, like, so, it, like, the life or death, like, she says it feels like so tragic. It's like mm-hmm. you are going to ruin this guy's life. Like it is they underline it. It's like he will be ruined. He will have to like everywhere he lives, he'll have to say that he's a child predator because of this. And it's because of like the bee in his bonnet about his daughter that's like or his stepdaughter or whatever. And it's just like right. it, that, it, like, that po- he is so horrified by yes. his stepdaughter having existed as a sexual being. Yes, and it, it, it like, and and then like we we said earlier, just his full conversion to like evil Confederate general or whatever. <laughs> right. And then when he's uh when he's walking around, that's another scene that uh they're playing with these sort of like close sort of fisheye-ish a- a- angles when like walking around the battlefield, and then when they're like trying to say where the battle started or whatever, and the guy's like, "Well, I actually I started over here." <laughs> yeah. Right, and he's like, I've worked for months on, like, with the, yeah. the office or whatever. Um, to speak briefly just about Jack's uh, Arthur Miller sort of mm-hmm. connections that he was making, I, you know, Arthur, I guess the, I, the big three Arthur Millers that I know are Death of a Salesman, All My Sons, and The Crucible. Mm-hmm. And I do, like, think, you know, the way, the way Jack talked about it, I do think, like, thinking about, like, adap- adapting those into new forms, I do think, like, you couldn't do like a musical version of any of those, but like you could do op- like they, he does sort of also mm. play in the operatic register a lot with mm. those. I feel like mm-hmm. like it is it's very uh, heightened and sort of like secrets coming out sort of like that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, yeah. yeah I, and having like, having seen the recent revival of uh, All My Sons, like the thing that sticks with me about that or one of the main things is just the loudness of Tracy Letts's voice uh, in that main role at yeah. times. Um, yeah. So I do. Right. I think that what Jack is getting at is interesting. And like, yeah. And I, I guess, right. It's been so long since I've seen Maggie's plan that I couldn't really <laughs> speak to what what that tied in with 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 arthur miller's work but i do think yeah that that is an interesting thing to track and i'm really glad that he brought it to our attention mm-hmm. yeah i mean with that do we have any final she came to me thoughts uh i don't know if you're if you if you've listened to this whole thing and you didn't watch she came to me you still should you will still be surprised by things about yes. it i would have to imagine yeah. And then we talk about uh, every uh, single thing yeah. that is good about it. Yeah. And as we've we mentioned, there. like it has a sort of level of aesthetic beauty that is right. just like yeah. looking and listening to it. Yes, even if yes. you know what happens in it. Yeah, like there I mean, absolutely the is pleasure in seeing how it unfolds, but there is also pleasure in just like watching the thing that it is. Uh this is getting more into like ranking movies against each other, which is maybe not <laughs> 
a worthy exercise. But when you watch this, it's like there's a level that of movies that came out this year, and then there's like the next level, and it's like give dedicate your time to something like she came to me. It's it's worth it. It's yeah, like, I've seen so many movies that have come out this year that have been like well liked and look terrible. It's like this movie <laughs> looks good. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to specifically compare it to other sure. stuff, but for sure, like, it is, like, one of the, like, very best, like, movies with famous American actors in it Absolutely. that has come out this year. Like, very Absolutely. high on that list, and obviously has just been completely ignored. Yeah. Yeah, and I do think sometimes when you get sort of these, this, like, this movie's American, but it played Berlin, so there's sort of like a right. European drama thing. Sure. I do feel like a lot of those movies that you would sort of compare this to, or like a TIFF premiere or something like that, a lot of those uh-huh. movies that you would compare to this, I think almost never look and sound this good. I yes. will say. Yeah. That's, yes. It's, it's the, uh, the thing of it just being like, technically so proficient that you would be doing a disservice. Not yeah, like, a lot of like... the... When I think about, like, what some of those other, like, really exceptional movies, even with, like, American movies with famous actors, a lot of them are way lower budget than this. Uh, and, like, are doing that and look interesting and are interesting, but, like, there's a huge... Just, like, in terms... there's There's clearly an enormous budgetary difference between like this and something like the adults which is another like great movie that has not gotten a lot of attention this is like you know i'm sure it's not i you know i i don't know if it costs like tens of millions of dollars even but certainly millions and like there are not a lot of movies in that sort of like you know it is the mid-budget movie even if it's probably on the lower end of what that has historically been Right. Yeah. And it it is also something like I think I like I talked about this with a card counter with like Oscar Isaac of just like it's sometimes feels increasingly rare to see good American actors get good like worthwhile parts yes. to play in yeah. sorts of like interesting adult dramas and yes. movies like, like this. And it is yeah, this movie is a delight even on the level of just like it is nice to see a movie with like Dinklage and Hathaway and Tomek and yes. just be like adult actors giving interesting performances yeah. in the movie. Yeah, we've maybe Good talked about <laughs> Marissa Tomei the least, and she, I think she is also, like, just, like, what she is playing is, in some ways, the, like, most ridiculous sort of yes. character. And she is The maybe... Sex and Love Addict Tugboat Captain? <laughs> right. But <laughs> is giving, right, and, like, is giving a, a less uh sort of big performance than Hathaway not that Hathaway's character doesn't also become uh oh the the therapist uh, who married one of her clients and then became a nun yeah <laughs> but yeah. the clean freak right yeah, yeah yeah uh like like in this sort of like how Tomei sort of unfolds that performance uh, in the sort of like her introductory scene, I think is really incredible yeah. to sort of watch and like how her physicality changes as that goes on. Uh, just like she, she, th- there are for sure ways in which like she feels like a different person as that is going on, and like it, yes. it takes like it feels very 
transformational at first and then you'd be like oh right this is marissa tomei yeah as it goes on yeah it is it, it's a deceptive performance right so it's like it a great like, yeah oh. it's a great sort of it's great casting a great sort of like use of her her persona and how it plays with that and then yeah earlier where um or I mentioned earlier the scene that happens later where she and Dinklage finally have their, like, where he's like, I am in love with you. Like, you are the thing. And yeah. then, like, them sitting together as he's, like, nervously watching. Listen to the alien opera. And, like, her as his rock is a very, like, mm-hmm. a, a nice couple that I am happy they end together. And then it, it is so, like, you were saying of just, like, everyone sort of getting where they need to go, where it's like the kids get in love. Darcy James is left in the dust. Uh, Dinklage and Tomei are together. Hathaway's a nun. And it's like, he got to make his alien opera. And like I said on Letterboxd, so did Rebecca Miller. Right. And it's awesome. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. what Daniel Day-Lewis is doing. He's he's just a full-time muse. Yeah, that could be true. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, yeah. I would say, like, yeah. He does Ding- kind of dress like a tugboat cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dinklage and Tomei getting together at the end is maybe the element I'm least sold on oh, of no. the movie. I, I mean, but, I, uh, you know. uh, I, I see I what think, you mean, I think but the I movie, like it. I think it kind of has things, to yeah. be well, that. When, when it was happening, I was like, did the movie did it do enough like legwork to get me here? But then I was just like, it kind of just works. It's kind of just like... Yeah. It kind of just... It's, it's just like... If you think about the movie, you're just like, oh, he's like clearly excited by her. Like yes. even if he's like sort of agonizing and stressing about it, he you can sort of tell throughout the thing where it's just like there is clearly an interest that goes beyond what he is right. willing to. And there's yeah. ways That's why in which anxious. that right. There's ways in which that relationship is inappropriate, and there are ways in which his previous relationship was extremely inappropriate. Yeah. And like sure. there were things that seem to have worked about that relationship and things that didn't and like i certainly don't think the movie is saying like and now he has finally found love and will live happily ever after it's just like yeah he's found yeah. another way that he's gonna be able to exist and love and be loved for some amount of time which is like the same thing that these kids have found yeah and i i, 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 I like uh, just like a sentence that i cut off of the, the answer from her i read earlier is she says all of these people are at the edge of their own wits yeah and i do think that sort of speaks to what he's doing where it's like whether or not he's like actually in love with her it's like sure. i think you can sort of think about a debate but it, it is clearly like he has decided to try something he is going for yeah. something he has a feeling and he is acting on it yeah Regardless or not of whether sure. that yes. is like the easy thing for him to do, and, and that is right. Sort of, yes. I, I, and I right. think, and I, I think I the film my, is like taking a pretty agnostic viewpoint as to like what love is. Even yeah, sure. I would say my objection is less from his perspective and more from her perspective. Sure. That like I'm not sure she's going to be getting what no, like g- getting what she wants. From no, I don't. I, I but, like, but what she what she needs. But are we anyway. maybe the thing that I keep thinking about is like. The trailer and the movie, it sets up Tomei as, like, she says she's a sex and love addict. She has this sort of, like, we know that Dinklage is having an affair or whatever. And but and I guess she knows also that he's married. They've had their conversation or whatever. But they're having, like, they have the big, 
you know, they, they have sex on the tugboat. They have this big <laughs> whirlwind scene that he adapts mm-hmm. for the opera. And he's like, all set up is like, she seduced me. She did this. And then like the opera is like, she killed me with an axe. And, uh, at for, and like, she comes up and she's like, talked about her past with stalking and everything. And she eventually like follows him. But then it's also just like, I think a read of it could be just like, she, you know, had her, uh, rehabilitation for the, the first time it happened where she was like in the actor's trailer or whatever. And now I think it's like she knows that she has this past. He knows that she has this past and that they're not addressing that it could just be real love. And then I think the bringing them back together over and over again lets them see the light. Yeah. And it's like, she's not stalking me. She's just in love with me. It's like, yeah. she's not my muse. We're just, we're in love. Yeah. And there's also like the scene where they're like planning out the opera where like, She's the actress playing her is playing it very like big and evil, and he yeah. continually steps in and be like, "No, you got to play it like cool and normal, like that." Yeah, where he's like giving her like opposing ideas of like you have to be like scary but also like welcoming. <laughs> yeah, where it's just like very clearly that she's stuck in his head, and I think yeah. I, I think for it, it's probably just something as easy as just like the story she told about her initial like arrest and deal with situation with her like sort of falling in love with somebody delusionally and just having like the validation of just like the connection us we had is not delusional there is something legitimate here i think might just be enough for her and i I think like the anxiety that he has like comes from just not being able to reckon with that and like thinking of it as one thing and not seeing it as from the other angle of like oh it's not that she's stalking me and it's that i'm like afraid of her it's that we have this attraction that I know is wrong because I'm in a marriage. Right. And it is just like, it is so hard to connect with someone that like, there are always going to be like huge barriers. And these just happen to be because of the, the not happen to be because of the way that this movie is. These They're like these specifically like, uh, intractable barriers that, for the moment, at least, are being overcome. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. That's sort of what the movie's about. Yeah, it's, it's there's, all there's, the, yeah. There's, a, there's a million reasons to not do something. Exactly. Yes. There's a really reason to not become a nun or like not yes. go and pursue this person, but and not try and be like a futurist architect yeah. saving the world. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I don't know, just like getting into a relationship with someone. I feel like there's always going to be a bunch of things where you're telling yourself like this isn't a good idea, this isn't going to work, yeah. I can't do this, and like if you feel uh like you want to do it, you just gotta try. Yeah, I mean, most of the time it just like life goes on, things can happen, things can yeah. stop. Yeah, Not and like you might like... be wrong, and it might like this is this movie is an example of like that decision having been made and worked for a while, and then going horribly, horribly wrong, yeah. and they're all going to keep going, and they exactly. continue to find beauty and love, and, and yeah. sometimes it sort of get... reminded me of like that, you know, the the sort of montage in uh, God, no, I'm forgetting the name of the movie. Uh, what's the Sarah Polly movie we watched for the podcast called? Oh, Take, oh this Take This Waltz. Take This Waltz, yeah, where that's sort of a similar thing about a uh-huh. person sure. being like, I need to take it. I, this is a decision I feel like I need to make in my life because it's like nothing else feels normal. Yeah. And, the, and then the movie is like, maybe that was good, maybe that was bad. But, yeah. You know, you sort of just have, 
you sort of just have to do it. Like, yeah, you kind of can't live your life in a way where it's just like everything is smooth sailing. Yeah, smooth tugging. On the tugboat. Tug. Yeah. Well, now with that special presentation. Yeah, sure. look forward to Shiki and to me in our awards episode next year. <laughs> Should we say thanks for a good year? Can I kick of it course. also? Yeah. All of our guests, uh, obviously, thanks for coming yeah. on and everyone has, us. Everyone has talked to us. Everyone yes. has listened. Everyone, you know, anytime you you tell us that you like the show, uh, you you make us not stop doing it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like honestly, I've become more aware of, like, listeners who I don't have, like, a connection to yes, elsewhere in my friends. life this year. <laughs> and, like, every time it, like throws me off a little bit but i'm also like it's like very cool that you think that i'm worth listening to despite yeah. not having any uh you know real investment in me as a person yeah i mean uh, it's always like when, yeah when people in my life have listened they're always like what I, I feel like a lot of us have just heard like you all really know what you're talking about and i do not and so <laughs> not you know i assume the people who are listening to this podcast are the like people who are enjoying listening to us talk but also just like do know what we're talking about and to have like found those people uh it's really nice you know let let your friends know if you think uh someone someone might be that person i don't i don't think we ever want to ever have any idea of this being like a huge podcast but like the more the more the people who do have any idea what we're talking about are listening uh the more the more we're gonna want yeah. to keep doing it uh you're here because you live in the middle of a certain venn diagram yeah well with that with that do we have year-end special presentations <laughs> Yeah, what's the best thing I've wanna, done this I year? Right. I don't know if I want to put that much on it. I just want to sure. do a normal week one, I feel like. Okay. Uh, I'll say quickly, this doesn't count, but I think it should be out. Emilio and I were on Friend of the Show, uh, Nina's podcast, see House and Jan, as she's credited sometimes, <laughs> uh, High Floor, Low Ceiling, which is a sports podcast, but we were asked to be on as movie experts <laughs> for a Christmas movie uh, bracket. So there's 32 Christmas movies and we each, the four of us voted on which one we thought was the better of the two. And a lot of the times, not everyone had seen both movies. So we're sort of just going off of vibes. <laughs> but I think it's a fun time. And if you like hearing us yeah. incoherently sort of ramble about <laughs> movies, <laughs> Mm-hmm. In an even shorter, sillier uh, exercise, you can listen to High Floor, Low Ceiling, Christmas Draft, or Bracket, rather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you want to yeah. hear me ramble incoherently, not about movies, about baseball, let Nina know that you want a baseball <laughs> episode with Jesse. No movies, only baseball. I'm sure that could happen. Yeah, well, they're they're very Toronto-based podcasts. Yeah. Right, so hey, we'll, we'll talk about the Blue Jays. I'll I'll dig into. I, I mean, there's lots of Blue Jays stuff to talk about right now. Of nothing that makes me happy. Um, I, yeah. I uh, I guess I do. I might have a thing that I will do as a special presentation that might count as like a big year special presentation. Uh, because I took like half a year to read this 
book. If I read, I mean listen to the audio books. I managed to finish my 20th book of the year, which was double my goal of the how sure. many books I wanted to read this year. So it feels nice to have accomplished something, which is just read books. Yeah. Uh, this book is called Our Band Could Be Your Life by Michael Azarod. It is uh, a book that is sort of chronicling the 80s, like late 70s, 80s, and early 90s, the underground independent rock music in America and how sort of like, it's sort of a book that ceases is just like, never mind, didn't come out of nowhere. There was sort of like a big mm. wave of underground music that came before it that sort of got trying sure. people to be ready for Nirvana and that sort of explosion of alt rock in the early 90s. But the structure is that like it has 13 chapters and every chapter is sort of like detailing a specific band and the sort of life, life they went through. And it was very interesting to listen about all these bands. And I think it was generally inspiring me for like, getting into music and playing guitar and sort of learning about like hardcore DIY bands and sort of just like that attitude of just like, fuck it. We don't know how to play music really, but we're just going to go out and do it. Cause this is more about feeling something and like creating a movement rather than just writing the most beautiful songs of all time. And I found that very interesting and inspiring and the uh, audiobook version I would recommend. It's like 19 hours long, but it, Every chapter is read by like a different person in like the indie world. Ooh. So it's so it's like Jeff mm. Tweedy read the chapter. Uh, Jonathan Franzen read the chapter. <laughs> About what? Uh, Jonathan Franzen reads the Mission of Burma chapter. Fred Armisen read the Butthole Surfers. Sharon <laughs> sure. uh, Van Etten reads about uh, Dinosaur Junior. Mm. Uh, Stephen Merritt of the Magnetic Field reads the Beat Happening chapter. So. It, sure. That's, that's uh, cool. the finger of Slipknot read the big black chapter. That's a crazy chapter. Uh, but like Corey yeah, Taylor. Taylor. I was going to say yeah. Hawkins, but that's someone else. Yeah, and it's just uh, it, it's great to listen to these people's voices just talk about these bands. Uh, lots of interesting characters throughout. <laughs> you know, 80s independent music. If you want to hear about how Jay Maskus was kind of a dickhead. But, uh, it's great for that. But uh, yeah, people should give it a shot. I mean, it's like, I think a very like canonical, like if you're getting into music and want to learn about rock music, you, must, you read this book, consider book. But you know, if somebody has it, I would recommend you do. You know what you should listen to, Emilio? The best of the best show. <laughs> you would love best show, I think, now in your indie war, uh, era. Uh, Cullen did uh, describe me recently as being in my Gen X era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next year will be the year that we have Tom Sharpling on Can I Kick It? <laughs> Talk about a scary idea. <laughs> Someone I would not want to be on the opposite end of <laughs> their ire. All right, I'll I'll do a couple of things. I uh. I apologize, I can't do this for everyone who called in, but for a couple of our friends, uh, Greta wrote a really wonderful piece about the film Barbie and a number of 20th century women also, and a number of other things called uh, What Was I Made For, Barbie and Abby and Greta, that you can find at the-salute.com. I did uh, think about 20th century women a little while seeing she came to. Mm, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, and then Jack, of course, uh, 
as he referenced, was given permission to uh, go long, and that is partially because uh, I had gone quite long on a submission to uh, his yearly holiday music uh, playlist that he sends out. Uh, this year it's Slade 99, set in the year 1999, that uh, we both of these we can... Slade not, might not quite be out. Uh, by the time this comes out, we can put a link to, uh, sign up for that. Uh, but, uh, I'm really, really happy to have, uh, both of you in my life and, uh, hope that people check out your stuff. I, I do have a little, uh, I recorded some music for Slade this year, uh, that will appear somewhere. Uh, and then in the, in the spirit of, uh, what I was, what I was getting into as we ended, if you, if you do meet someone and feel like there's a connection there, uh, follow that. Uh, anyone Great got message. anything else? I'll do a very, I feel bad doing a very basic singular plug, but I think it'll, I, forget, I meant Andy to do nicely. that last. Apologies for cutting in front of you. No, no, please. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be really bad, but I've been <laughs> oh, listening oh, to the song oh. Passion Fruit by Drake a lot lately, <laughs> and I think it's so fucking good. I mean, that song's for men. It's obviously a very awkward plug, but that is yeah. song. But I, it was, I, it just, I've been thinking about it a lot. Colin, Passion it for miles away. Yeah, we listened to Get Together from that album. Oh, yeah. I mean, More Life, I think, has heat because i also like portland a lot and fake love is good <laughs> but yeah, I mean, passion the fruit with that album together, it has heat and it's also like 25 songs that's the long, thing with so every like song it's like he <laughs> puts a lot of not heat 22 songs on an album and five of them are awesome <laughs> but, yeah, get together and uh nothing. passion fruit it's like a one-two punch i guess you have the interlude in between uh yeah. but i mean that's just like two perfect songs undeniably it's a good interlude it's good interlude. And I will say I saw Wonka yesterday. Uh oh. And it's really, really charming and great. A, a, a triumph. Anyone who doubted it was a fool and a charlatan. <laughs> uh it's just like I can't think of no greater uh holiday treat than to to go see Wonka this year. Uh it's just uh Chalamet uh is really demented in a wonderful way, I think, as as really <laughs> uh Wonka. And like there's yeah, it's just like Delightful sequence after delightful sequence. Uh, a lot of fun numbers. Um, yeah, it's you know, it's 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 a great time at the movies. So go see Wonka. Right. And yeah, I think look forward to a lot of podcasts in the vein of "She Came to Me." We're going <laughs> esoteric with our form. Uh huh. We, yeah, we should have an off mic discussion, uh, off I... recorded discussion about that. I guess no. <laughs> Every episode is going to be a surprise to you, Andy. That's the year you don't get to know. You just get the date and time. <laughs> what, do I get to know? Did do I get prep? Do I get to nope. watch the movie ahead of time? <laughs> nope. No, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna ask questions. Yeah, well, well that's up to you. Well, I'll also say, yeah. as sometimes it's gotten harder to do this podcast, harder to schedule, just harder for us all to get on the same page and do things uh andy and cullen and emilio i love you all very much yes, and it's always course. so yeah. wonderful to talk with you it's so crazy we've been doing this so long it's i uh, mean beyond the podcast it's crazy to think about how long we've just known each sure, other but yeah. <laughs> and like 
so much of the stuff that I am doing in my life and is making me happy, I would not have been able to do without this friendship with you all. Uh, so yes. thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, let's yeah. do another one. Yeah, we'll do another one. Yeah, one more, more Collins, episode. I think. I think that worked really well. I think that I would. I've always been nervous that like no one would do it, but we mm. got people to do it, including mm -hmm. people who we don't know. So that's yeah. great. Thank mm -hmm. you, everyone. And now and, you've uh, been featured on Can I Kick yeah. it, the ultimate prize. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We'll yeah. send you a certificate in the mail. Yeah, next year we'll <laughs> finally. <laughs> next year we'll finally get to a live Colin show. We'll be doing live. We'll be doing right. live episodes. We'll finally the do the like eight-hour Twitch that Jesse's been pitching <laughs> for three years or whatever. That was back in pandemic days, ain't it? Yeah, we're not. Yeah. We're not gonna be on Twitch. Yeah, for eight I, hours. yeah I, I don't have eight hours to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We the problem is that we are we having trouble. Right the trips. way to fix scheduling issues is not to make things longer there's another direction in which the episodes could go true true uh, all right yeah i mean uh, i guess we could like as short filmmakers and can i just play your movie on twitch while i'm not present <laughs> yeah an eight-hour twitch stream of program shorts and none of us are there tens of viewers uh um, so optimistic yeah. yes uh all right happy holidays happy new year everybody thank you all merry christmas do we want to plug happy the coffee on the end of the year yeah right if you like coffee. what we're doing send us some cash please yep uh another KO thing that makes us want to keep doing the podcast when it happens yeah, NESI, for sure yeah. Friendship um, and love is nice, but money's where it's at, baby. Yeah, that there's dinero. Yeah. It would, uh, it would make you know, they easier, say <laughs> they say that money can't buy you love, but similarly, love can't buy you money. <laughs> yeah. And uh, bye. That, I will release uh, our audience. Bye. Bye bye. bye, -bye. Mwah.